Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, RugbyLeagueHub.com's White Lion Fever. And it's our, I think it's our third, third, maybe fourth, a Thursday night or Thursday morning show. Fourth, Jimmy's holding up four. Fourth, um, I believe. Fourth, fourth. And I'll, as usual, I've got Jimmy Smith here. How are you, Jimmy? G'day, Steve. I'm really well. Really excited about our show tonight. Really interested to talk to our first guest, our special guest, uh, Gareth Carvel. And, of course, um, have a look at what's going on at the Brisbane Broncos. They're struggling, Stephen. Yeah, Gareth Carvel from the GMB Union, the Rugby League Players section. A lot happening at the moment. The players aren't doing much uh, on the field, on the pitch, but uh, there's a fair bit happening off the pitch. Welcome to the show, Gareth. Thanks very much. Yeah, great to be here. Hey, Gareth, really appreciate your time. So thank you for that. Um, we're really lucky in Australia here. We've got our teams are back, our players are playing. How is it for your players, for those players who are over in the UK? And, and I would imagine really really desperate to play, but understand the situation that, that the code and the country is gripped in. Yeah, very different. Very different indeed. I mean, there's, there's little chance really of, of anything returning back to normally, normal for a good 12 months. So getting sports restarted within uh, within England is, is, is pretty tough. Football has gone back, uh, soccer. Um, Obviously, a big difference uh, within the contact of the game. So uh, the protocol for the social distancing, for retraining, for the return to training, return to games, is still in draft at the moment. We're still going through that with a, a fine-tooth comb and uh, trying to get that sorted. There has been a date penciled in for the 16th of August uh, for the start of Super League. You know, so whether that will uh, will happen is yet to be seen. Gareth, um, we. As far as, um, uh, I guess, pay cuts are concerned, we saw Ian Lennigan put out a statement during the week saying he'd put in half a million pounds out of his own pocket to keep Wigan afloat. But we also saw some talk of pay cuts in relation to Luke Thompson's transfer from um, St Helens to Canterbury. Um, have the players accepted pay cuts en masse? What, um, how are they structured? We heard there's going to be some sort of um, sliding scale about the size of pay cuts. They seem to be different at each club. Well, what's the situation with pay cuts? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really quite different again over here. Each each club is an individual business and, and has its own structure, its own income revenue and everything like that. Um, so run totally different. So normally the governing body would, would have a big say on this, but, but in this situation they don't. So basically, when rugby league stopped, there's no income coming into the clubs. Um, the clubs predominantly live on on the season ticket sales, on on match days. You know the food, uh, people coming in, spending money on merchandise, everything like that. That's that's generally where the money comes from. Plus sponsorship. Uh, obviously, the sponsors want to see their their product, their name out there. If there are no games, that's not happening. So there are all sorts of things going on in the background regarding that. Um, again, Sky. You know, there's there's the Sky deal there that. That if we don't we don't play so many games within within a certain amount of time, you know that deal could be could be revoked. So there's that that danger as well. So it was it was a really difficult conversation to have with with all the players. What we did was was go to each individual club, um, have a speech, you know, have a chat with the players, um, see what the club could afford. We had access to all their all their finances. Um, and the suggested cuts, uh, obviously, as a union, we want 100% wages and we, we always will we'll strive to get that as soon as possible. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that no income means, you know, you can't really, you can't really spend 
and the ninety percent of of the spend of clubs goes on goes on wages and player wages. So, you know, the, the the players are well within their rights not to do that. Not they've got a contract in place; they can take that contract, and that's it. And I think you know that's that's something that that might have happened at, at St Helens. Um, so the the players have really had to buy into it. The clubs can't survive at the moment um, with the outgoings they have. So the, the the players have really bought into it and shown. You know that that they're in in it for the for the long haul as well. Now, you know some clubs are looking to talk about next year. We we've had a big meeting across Super League with with the players um, and categorically came back that we don't want to talk about next year. There's far too many unknowns. We don't know what what's going to happen. We don't know when the games are going to start. You know we don't know what what crowds are going to be there, if any. Whether that's going to last into the next season. There are all sorts of, of variables that we just we just you know we would be really unsensible to, to to try and sort of judge and guess uh, and agree to anything. So at the moment, you know we're we're looking at the review. So we 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 got written into these agreements that every month there's a review and that'll look at you know if anything's changed. I mean it's, it's changing daily as you'll know, Steve over here. It, it, you know the, the government guidance and things are constantly changing. So as as that changes, we're looking to try and get money back in the players' pockets. Um, it, it's looking more and more like that the reviews will go ahead when we return to play. Um, you know, I think that's that's the big one. Looking at it each month, especially when nothing's changed, um, is a bit of a non-starter. I think you know, although it is good to to talk to the clubs and still get their their ideas and and you know see their financial position, but. Again, it's 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 trying to be sensible and fair. The players are a sensible bunch. They realise that you know without a club, there's no jobs. You know, and, and they'd rather have they'd rather have ninety percent of the wages than hundred percent of no wages. So it's you know it's a, it's sort of a a bit of a catch twenty two. They sort of backed into a corner and, and had to accept these cuts, but they have committed to them. So it's uh, you know it's it's a difficult time and it's difficult yep. for the league over here, but. You know, we are we are coming through it together, I think. Hey, hey Gareth, you know, there were grave concerns about some of the clubs in the NRL. Obviously, um, what about, from your perspective, clubs at Super League level, Championship level, League One level? How realistic is it that those clubs can't continue, um, given what's transpired with the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. You know, there are some clubs that, that will be absolutely fine. You know, the clubs with the big, the big backers, with the, the multimillionaire owners who can plow money in, um, they'll be absolutely fine. It's the clubs that, at the, at the lower end, and like you say, the championship clubs that, that aren't well financed, that, that have to live on the revenue that they create themselves, yeah, are going to struggle. Luckily, over here, we've got the furlough, um, which I don't know if, if, if anybody knows about that. Basically, the government are covering 80% of everybody's wage up to £2,500 a month. So that's helped championship clubs basically get through the pandemic so far. And that will continue to October, albeit reduced. Um, the Super League slightly different. That has helped massively. You know, you're looking at something around about £140,000 a, a month. Um, for for that scheme for the for the job retention scheme, so that's helped massively. But that will will stop once players go training, uh, and that's when I think the problems will start. Also, this next year, you know, people at the moment, the Super League clubs are living on their season ticket sales and, and sponsorship. 
Now, people will want that money back. There's no, I would. You know, if I'd not seen any games or seen less games, I'd want my money back. Yep. The clubs won't be able to do that. What they'll do is end up offering discounts uh, to season ticket sales next year. So it, then it has an impact on next year. Um, so you're looking at whatever's going on now is, is going to continue into next year, uh, albeit being pretty unknown. Gareth, if I could just pin you down on your first answer. To your knowledge, have all Super League players accepted pay cuts or... Or everyone but Luke Thompson, or you know, like I mean, like, I mean, you know, is is that the situation, or is it still in train? The process is still in train, you know. Yeah, no, the the, the majority have, you know, the all the documents have been signed, and and that's been sort of, of well, it's been finalised now. So yeah, yeah, I mean, there are a few that that sort of refused, and they're well within their rights to do that, you know, and 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 and, and that's happened now. You know, with Luke Thompson, he, he's moved on. He saved the club probably a considerable amount of money, and and they they're looking to probably sign somewhere someone else. There has been a big sort of uproar with clubs signing players while they're taking money off, you know, off the off the current players, which to me is absolutely scandalous. You know, and 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 we speak to those clubs, ask the reasons behind that. They explain. Um, whether we believe that explanation, I'm not sure. But you know, we until we we, we can have a look at the evidence of that, then uh, you know we can't really judge. Gareth, do you and think there are other sorry. players that, that, as well as Luke, who may think right? Well, there's question marks about whether the season comes back here in England. There's definitely yeah. rugby league being played in Australia, and clubs still have positions available and space within their salary cap. Do you think Luke will be the first of a few players that come across from Super League? Yeah, I, th- I think I think you know it's such a short career, um, and you know, let's not let's not beat around the bush. The, the the Super League players, the young English Super League players, want to play in the NRL. They want to test themselves. So, yeah, I think there will be a little bit of a migration for our top players, which will be a, a massive blow to to the game over here. Um, you know, but but it, again, it, it can't be helped if the clubs can't afford to keep hold of these players. Then. You know, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to do that. You know, but besides, what about, see the, but yeah. No, sorry. sorry, mate. What about the proposed rule changes? You knew we'd get to that eventually. The <laughs> idea of having having no scrums for the rest of, for the rest of the year, for instance. Yeah. What, what, yeah. How do the players feel about that? Uh, not very happy because they don't get much rest. You know, I'd be exactly the same. There's 45 seconds there where you can just <laughs> trot over to the scrum and have a cuddle <laughs> and all the rest of it. You know, but yeah, there's there's the reason behind it is is a medical reason. You know, the doctor explained a one-on-one tackle, you have two face-to-face contacts. In a scrum, with the amount of people from each side and the contacts within that, there's 132 face-to-face contacts. So the risk of passing the virus is is a lot, lot higher than, than in a tackle. Plus the length of time that those players are together um, really increases the risk again. So... You know, it, it was down to a medical reason. These are proposals still. Um, you know, the, the big difficulty we will have is how do you restart a game and how do you replicate that? I love to see a back line on a back line. You yeah. know, that's, that, that's the only opportunity in a game that, that the backs have a bit of space, they can put something on and, and, and do something. I think it's a, a massive part of our game. So trying to replicate that is going to be really difficult. Whether you, you know, take the, take the forwards off the pitch, I don't you know, they, they, there's a lot of discussion that needs to be done around that um, as to whether it can even work. I'm not yeah, sure if you're I'm a student not... of the uh, Australian game, but have you noted that the changes 
the rule changes here would have been, um, you know, it's very pronounced. The one referee, the six again rule, the speed of play the ball, the increase in attacking football, the increase of ball in play, the shortening in the length of time to play 80 minutes. There's nothing but ticks from everyone here with the changes. Do you think that's also been noted, Gareth? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the only thing that, that sort of comes out of that, um, and yes, we're trying to speed the game up. I think the, the six again rule brings that, you know, it, it, it speeds the game up a lot. Uh, it gives, you know, some, some teams a lot more tackles within the line. And, and I think at the, at the start of it, we're going to wait and see, see how it pans out. Uh, I think the start of some blowout scores and people are, are talking about that over in the NRL. Maybe it was down to that rule. Um, the concern I think that, that that came across is is the welfare side of things, especially if we're trying to cram as many games in as possible. Obviously, one game a week would be is great. Speed the game up, yes. You get the recovery, you get to look after the players properly. If you're asking them to do two, possibly three games in ten days, you know that that's when it sort of becomes an issue. Fatigue becomes an issue, and injuries, you know, obviously come from. From fatigue, so when we're trying to speed the game up, is it to the detriment of the quality that we're mm. going to get on the field? And that's that's a really fine act, balancing act that we've got to try and get. Gareth, could I ask just two questions in one? When this started, it was reported, I think, in the Guardian that all the clubs had said if a player refuses to take a pay cut, he'll be blackballed. And I put mm. that into the second part of my question: was that I said this on social media when you put out your press release, and if I didn't say it to your face, I'd be a bit mealy mouthed. Is that? You had an anonymous player quoted in a press release. And I thought these are big, strong guys who kind of risk life, and, well, hopefully not life, but limb um, yeah. every weekend. Um, and yet, yet we couldn't have a guy or a group of guys stand up and put their name um, to the quote in your press release. And are those two things linked? Are the players worried about backlash and being victimised if they do stand up to the clubs? Is that the, is that the reason? Without, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So that, I had that, that blacklisting confirmed from a CEO. So obviously brought up in the CEO meeting, we said under no circumstances can this happen. If we get a sniff of any evidence whatsoever that this is, this is happening, then we'll be going to town. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Trouble is, it's like going into a supermarket. So if, if you, you go in intending to pinch a bottle of milk, you want, you know, you've got the, the plans there, you've got the full intention of taking the milk, you walk to the front door, but then you put the milk down and walk out of the store. You've not actually done it. And that's that's sort of the situation that, that we're in. You know, there's talk about it and, and people planning on doing it, but it's not actually happened. It's the same with the reps. You know, we've got a group of reps, um, around about six or seven from, from each Super League club at the moment. And they're worried, you know, that, that them standing open and their voice being heard will we'll put them in a tricky position when it comes to contract negotiations, you know, are they classed as a trouble causer and all that sort of thing, which, you know, is, is, is a stigma that comes, I think, with, with unions and, and, and all the rest of it. But, you know, trying to explain that as a collective, and I think we did it with the Blue Tile campaign that, that every player put out at the same time on social media, this, this, just this square Blue Tile to say that we're in and we're involved, you know, Everyone together makes a real difference and no one can be victimised. But it is, it's, it's real, you know, and, and I think historically over here in this country, it's happened a lot. As, as coming up from sort of, you know, through, through the ranks, you feel privileged to play for a club. So you don't want to be kicking up a fuss about anything. You know, you just take, take it and that's it. 
you want to make it and you want to be, you want to be in the first team and that happens throughout your career so it's difficult to try and get that transition to to get players to stand up and talk mm. Hey Gareth, I can only imagine the challenges, uh, the sleepless nights, the amount of work that you've had to do over the course of the last three and, and four months. Uh, just incredible time in the code and in, uh, in on the globe, for that matter. Um, really appreciate your time tonight, mate, and thank you very much for joining us. Anytime. Good to see you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Gareth. Great stuff there. Right. Yeah, Gareth Caravelle there, former Great Britain front rower, and of course, um, he is now uh, heading up the Players' Union. What was your take on that, Steve? Well, um, you know, the big thing was I don't think August 16 for return of Super League has been said publicly before. So I think that's, uh, that's news. Um, secondly, his comment about players being afraid to speak up because they feel that they'll be victimised at contract time. I think yeah. that was definitely uh, newsworthy. And also the fact that clubs, he, he, you know, he said that clubs signing players at the same time as they're asking others to take pay cuts uh, was, I used a word like disgraceful. I think he said disgraceful. So they were the three uh, news angles out of that for me, Jimmy. Always thinking along those lines. And they were the three angles. I think I'd lead on the first one. The third one would be in the second part. And uh, when I get off here, um, the, the third item will be, yeah. But that's the way I'd be looking at, yeah. Uh, very good, very good. So we appreciate uh, Gareth's time on that one. That's interesting, isn't it? August 16. So fingers crossed on that one. 27 points to six was the final score, mate. Um, and that probably flattered the Broncos. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, uh, Jimmy, um, I just thought that it was uh, Newcastle played a very structured footy and, and you are better uh, placed to assess tactics and stuff like that than me. But Newcastle played very structured footy with some you know, talented players um, uh, but didn't really do much out of the box and it was still uh, good enough to beat a Broncos side that just didn't seem to have anything. Um, yeah. Except yeah. a few big hits to beat a Pangai Jr., a couple of big hits. Um, you know, Milford, uh, Anthony Milford, disappointing. Uh, or Anthony Milford, as they call him here next year in the World Cup. I never pronounce the H, Anthony. Uh, but, um, um, yeah, very, very, uh, very disappointing, bitterly disappointing uh, uh, Brisbane side. And um, they just haven't – they're still they're still in lockdown, the, the uh, Broncos. They didn't, they didn't come back from the pandemic. <laughs> I'll tell you what's really interesting, and this is when you're watching – so I was watching Fox League's coverage, and they take Channel 9's pitches. And then you can see them start showing a player – extensively so there was extended periods there where the commentary of Andrew Voss and Greg Alexander um, didn't match the pitches that were on there because they weren't talking about Anthony Milford and all of a sudden there's a and you can only imagine you think I wonder what Joey's saying about Anthony Milford <laughs> at this point and, it, and it's fair though because I think it's clear you know it, it was mentioned a couple of times he had a couple of runs they were ineffective there was one stage there he, he did play at the line, but mostly he's playing way behind the line, way before the line. It was, you know, and, and okay, but he's a million-dollar player or he's your million-dollar player or he's getting paid a million dollars. And people say, oh, it, it shouldn't, shouldn't matter. But it does when it impacts on your salary cap like that. Like, they're not getting a million dollars worth of value out of him. It's, it's a real concern for... Um, Anthony Seabold. Uh, I, you know, think about the try they got. It was an intercept where Xavier Coach ran 100 metres. And, right. and really, if McCulloch passes short to Mann, Mann hits Edric Lee and Edric Lee scores. They, they were lucky to get as close as they did. Um, Ponga was quiet after signing his $4.5 million deal. What did you take of that? Um, yeah, I've got to say, from, from this distance, I, I was vaguely aware that he, he'd agreed to stay and it was a lot of money, but I, I wasn't 
Um, it wasn't sort of screaming headlines here. So uh, I just thought he, I thought he had a solid game. It wasn't his, you know, best yeah. game. I, I thought what was interesting was um, when they were um, they had a one man advantage, the uh, Knights, and they just were happy just to close the game down. They had, I guess, subconsciously so little respect for the attacking ability yeah. of their opponents that they were happy to not score when they had a one man advantage because they they as long as they stopped them from scoring. That was it. You know what I mean? Like they were kicking yeah. for the corners, kicking for the corners, and kicking for kicking for penalty when they when they had a chance to put on trot. They were um, doing to so. Brisbane what Brisbane were trying to do to the Cowboys in the 2015 Grand Final. So uh, back at you. <laughs> hey, uh, crackdown on six again rule. Uh, that's been the big talk this week. Um, sin bins going to be used. There was a couple of sin bins used, not specifically for that, but um, it's it's not only the new rules, but it's the reinforcement of the new rules that is interesting. I think. Um, well, just the fact that it has only taken the coaches three weeks, is it? Um, as long yeah. as we've been on air in this time slot um, to come up with a way to exploit um, a new rule which is intended to open up the game. And that is basically for listeners and viewers who haven't been across this is basically give away a six again. You get a six again for holding down the opposition. Give it away early in the tackle count when they're a long way from the try line to slow them down. So um, that is a professional foul. I mean, it is a professional foul. That is the actual definition. It's deliberately give away a penalty. So, so um, um, it is. Yeah, I got to say, Jimmy, I, 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 I thought the footy the first weekend we came back was different. It was more open. There were guys playing lots in front of them, and maybe it was just the fatigue from guys not yeah. having played in two months. Yeah. Um, and now I think the footy is much more like what we had before, where you know, hitting pressure points, kicking late, chasing well. And, and it's, 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 it's more Aussie, what, what people hear, what Gareth would call Aussie football, which is percentage yeah. football, yeah. Um, and a, a little less interesting to watch as a result. But I don't know, like, do you, unless you actually make every team, you play around and you make them all have three months off and you play around <laughs> and you play a season over three years, you might get that sort of football all the time. Otherwise, yes. the coach is always going to exploit and always going to wear down the, um, the legislators, you know? Yeah, not good for the uh, broadcast deal, that idea. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Isaac Moses, deregistered, uh, have the right to appeal, uh, which from what I understand he's going to take up. Uh, interesting, Tim Manor was the one who came in and said, I was um, coerced uh, into providing false information for the Integrity Unit back in 2017. He's got a host of players, we know that, um, some real stars, including um, coaches and players at the same club. Um, I'm going to ask you your take on this one and also on its reporting because obviously journalists rely so heavily on player managers for information. And it's very, it's very interesting how stories that are negative towards player managers are reported. Well, I think it varies from um, manager to manager, reporter to reporter uh, and, and media outlet to media outlet. I mean, I, I, you know, I saw a story in the Sydney Morning Herald that says that the players can rip up their contracts with Isaac now. Um, and that seemed to be a pretty straight story, uh, reported straight. Um, you know, it used, it used to be in the old days, the gossip columnists got a lot of um, information out of player agents and perhaps player agents got a good run in gossip columns as a result. Yep. But, since, uh, but since the increased restrictions on and, and access to the players themselves and the coaches, they only do all-ins. Now, the, the general beat reporters and news reporters now rely on agents um, um, more. And 
people never tell you anything. People don't, most people don't, maybe we do, because, you know, we love talking. But um, most people just don't give up information for free. Everyone's got um, a reason to tell you something. And if yeah. you never wrote a story quoting someone with an agenda, you'd never have a story. There'd be no <laughs> story to write. Yeah. So, so what happens now is that the only people speaking are maybe player agents and the other people are all shut, shut up over the last five, 10 years. And so the agenda, there are two, the agendas of the player agents are one to get a good deal for their clients. And that's way up here, but further down, fair way down is to get maybe a sympathetic run in the press. That's part of their agenda in, yeah. in dealing with the media and dealing with some media people and not other media people. So I guess this is where that unspoken contract comes home to roost is when the, maybe the player agents need a favour, uh, they need sympathetic coverage. And, 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 and in, in some cases, I'm not back there. In some cases, they might be getting it. Uh, um, in some other cases, not. Yeah. And the interesting one about that, you talk about, you know, make sure they, they're getting their player a good deal and also reported that it's a bit better than the actual deal that they get so that other players then look at it and go, hang on a minute, I'm actually a better player than that guy. I should be getting that. And therefore, the player manager says, well, if you want to get that, you come and see me because I'm able to negotiate. Mate, I know one agent who would actually just ask to be called leading player agent. If you were going to get anything out of him, you had to call him leading <laughs> player agent. Give us a name. Agent. Give us a name. No, no, no. I'm not going. I'm not going to because I'm kind of thinking the conversation where he asked for that is probably off the record, you know. I'll err on the side of caution there. It's probably okay. not ethical for me to say so. I'm just going to... I'm putting into my Google search, search engine leading NRL player <laughs> agent and an article written by Steve Mascord and away we go. <laughs> hey, I didn't say that I agreed to do it. I don't think, <laughs> I, I think I always, well, maybe I, on a weak, weak moment, I might've done it once <laughs> or twice, but generally speaking, I would have regarded adjectives as my domain. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if he was if he was asking you, he was asking other people too, and maybe someone yeah, said use, yes. Use, use of adjectives falls firmly within my job description. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about some adjectives around what um, Cam Smith's been up to? There was a bit of Cam Smith bashing, um, which seems to have, was interesting. Matt Tripp, the owner of the Melbourne Storm, came out and said, "Look, usually you guys reserve this for." a month before the semi-finals, but you've got in early this year having a go at Steve Smith, uh, Cam Smith and it's tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, I remember um, in the early days of 10 years ago, people saying Cameron Smith was like good with referees. That was the extent of what they said then and asking him about it in doing one of those Rugby League Week player um, uh, A-lists. And uh, he, he was quite offended by the, by the suggestion. I'm sure he's heard it a lot since um <laughs> uh but um yeah yeah it is kind of tall poppy syndrome i guess and a lot i'd never really aside from a couple of isolated things i never really understood the the kind of uh polarizing um um aspect of cameron smith i never really got it like he he's always kind of smiling and i know there was like there's been isolated things things he said to the referee talking to the referee, unfortunately, when Alex McKinnon was injured, which he didn't know what was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, there's been little, little isolated things um, where, where I could see he would rub the public the wrong way. But I don't really understand the kind of, um, you know, like, you know, and then he wouldn't talk to Channel 9 for half a season as a result of that. Um, but I can't understand that it doesn't add up in my head. It's like two plus two equals a thousand, the kind of... Um, the kind of heat he gets off people. I don't really get it. 
he's not he's not the lovable type of guy that Jonathan Thurston is, right? Um, you know, with a great laugh and uh, and and this is the perception from a from a distance, right? He's more introspective. Um, the fierce determination to win is there, quite obviously, and that comes to the fore a lot. And he's good, mm-hmm. and and that that rankles people. And and if you're a 37 year old with as much experience as as him, it, it, for a decade you were the captain of the Australian side. Why wouldn't you use it to your advantage if you can influence referees? If you weren't doing that then the coach has got to be talking to you and saying, hey, mate, you, you can influence results here. You can, influences, you can influence decisions for us here. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think he's only using all the skill, just like a short pass out of dummy half, uh, a little word in the referee's ear and maybe things would go our way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing about him as a player, which I said to someone this week, and it stands out to me, is he plays rugby league like it's not a contact sport. It's like, it's like especially in attack, He's like one of those guys walking on hot coals. He doesn't feel it. Yeah. He doesn't feel the tackles. His mind, his mind always overrules his body. He, he, his mind tunes out the physical aspect of rugby league. They, they, they act, he, his mind does exactly what, his body does exactly what his mind wants it to do. And that's an incredible thing to see in an athlete. It's like, you know, you don't see individuals impose themselves on team sports very often. I, I haven't seen a lot of other sports aside from rugby league. I saw Shaquille O'Neal play once in Miami and, and, um, and it was like, you know, and I can't imagine what it would be like to see Jordan play. I know there's a ban on mentioning him. He's like become a cliche in all sports journalism worldwide. But, um, but, uh, but, but, but he, he, it was like the whole men against boys thing. And he watched Joey, uh, to me, Wally, Joey, um, that's Andrew Johns. If you're not a rugby league fan, if you're watching in um, China or something and, um, and uh, and also Peter Sterling, to me, even more than Lockyer and Thurston, Thurston late in his career, particularly the last sort of ten years. Uh, but there's very few players who, who 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 it looks like men against boys. And um uh, and 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 the the thing with Cameron is that he's not more imposing than anyone else, but he ignores the physical aspect of rugby league. He it isn't there to him. Yep. It's all his mind. So mm. anyway. Uh, very big in Wuhan, I believe, this podcast. Uh, that's, that's, that's the feedback we're getting through. Hey, we're really interested to see Luke Thompson. Um, he's in, uh, I think he started his first five days of, of quarantine uh, in a Melbourne hotel room, but um, he'll be potentially playing for the Bulldogs round eight, probably round nine. Um, we've seen him a little bit at international level. Give us, a, give us an understanding of the strengths of Luke Thompson's game, mate. Is there anyone in the NRL that we could liken him to? Um, I think Luke Thompson, Luke Thompson is a big guy, but I think in the NRL he'll get he'll get bigger. I, th- I think he'll get bigger and stronger. Like if if the Burgess uh, twins had stayed over here, they they may not have sort of filled out the way they did when they went to Australia. So I think I think Luke Thompson will get bigger. He actually plays like he's bigger than he is, and he's he's a big guy, uh, but um, he's just run. He, he's got good footwork. I'd say footwork. If I think about Luke Thompson, the first expression I would say footwork and really elite level footwork runs really good lines and works hard in defense. You know, so he's, he, I guess the James Graham um, without the kind of rag doll head bobbing around, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, he kind of keeps his head quite still Luke Thompson, but uh, uh, you know, and kind of not the same personality either. Right? You know, like I think Luke Thompson, you know, is not, um, if you say to him, you should have gone to the head bin, he's not going to, go on a radio show on Saturday and give a half hour dissertation to why he shouldn't. He's not, you know, he's not that sort of guy. Like James Graham is a very forthright, upstanding, 
um, and and eloquent kind of guy off the field. I, I think Luke he, Thompson he could might, become that. And, and he, he could become be, that, you know. And Sorry. he might be coming back, James Graham. Um, what, yeah, that's the other big story broken in the last few uh, few hours, really, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Would it be a fit at St? Would Would it be back to St Helens, that which is his, of course the club that he played with previously? I have no inside information on that, but you'd oh. suggest that the if there's one way to sort of get the fans back on side before they come back through the gate again, uh, then might be to get a club icon back in return for you, one of the world's best players who you've sold to a club in Australia. Um, I think um, I think that would be the one way to assuage fans it would be to get James Graham back. All right. Generally, I sign off this um, vodcast with saying any update on when the league might be back. Uh, I think we can say August Scoop. 16. <laughs> Scoop. Scoop. It wasn't a good having a guest. It was the first time we had a guest, so I didn't want to promise too many people that we were going to have a guest. But in the end, we, we had one, and it was very newsworthy. Uh, so yeah. uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Also, we went out on Periscope today, which might have been... You might be watching us on Twitter. I don't know. So everything's kind of experimental at the moment. But from the sounds of uh, Gareth Carvel, we've got a while to get our systems right, Jimmy. We've got, we've got a few weeks yet. So I think things are going well so far. I had a coach that used to talk about systems and structures and uh, the irony of that was that he had no systems and no structures. <laughs> ah, so now you've got a name in. Yeah, come on. You've got a name in. No journalistic. Uh, hang, hang, on. There. hang on. Hang on. <laughs> you, you said you wouldn't name. So I know, I'm, but I can, hide, I can hide behind like journalistic ethics. All right. All right. I, I, I won't name him, but I'll say that his, <laughs> his, his name rhymes with Steve Martin. South Sydney Rabbitohs coach, 1998. Wow. <laughs> what, what a ride that was. I think we won five games, two of those after Steve was punted. Anyway. We're um, still live. Yeah, still going. <laughs> hey, uh, good stuff, mate. Stay well and uh, we'll catch up again uh, next Thursday. Next week. We'll get Rupert Murdoch on next week. Yeah, I believe he's going to make, <laughs> make room in his schedule. So we can make all that. Okay. See you,